Welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. Today we have a great guest. He is the Nassau County version of Project Veritas. The James O'Keefe of Nassau County, so to speak. His name is Kevin McKenna. And what he does is he exposes the corruption here on Long Island. He has a fantastic story. I love talking to him. I love the corruption that he exposes. He's transparent. There's highs, there's lows. And again, just a fantastic person that is fighting for the citizens here on Long Island, fighting for people across the country, so to speak, as you'll see from his story. I absolutely loved it. Also, if you get a chance, go over to our website, thejoecozoshow.com, subscribe to it, our YouTube channel as well. Subscribe, like, share, helps out the show. We're also on Rumble. And the audio version, we're all over the place. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it, we're on it. And with that being said, without further ado... Let's listen and let's get into Kevin McKenna. All right, welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. We have lots to talk about. I got something going. I got something cooking here. This is the big leagues. It's New York. I said I was in the worst neighborhood, man. I said I had a near-death experience. Crazy? Robert, if you've been through what I've been through in the past month, you'd be, you'd be crazy too. All right, here we go. Kevin McKenna. Welcome to the Joe Cozo Show. If you want to just get that mic a little bit closer to you, you can pull it. Here you go. There you go. There we are. How Hello, are you, Joe? Brother? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Very nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you, too. First of all, I saw that you have the 7-Eleven coffee. How do you like your... You like 7-Eleven better than Dunkin' Donuts? Yes, absolutely. It, I, I do 7-Eleven and also once in a while Starbucks. Once in a while. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts, for some reason, I don't like the uh, the taste of the coffee. Okay, and how do you how do you have how do you take your coffee? At Seven Eleven, I use the uh, the machine and I get the uh, the latte. The latte. The latte. It's actually less money than the Starbucks latte. Okay. All right. So you're a latte guy. You're not I'm a, a straight guy. coffee with you know cream or or milk and then once in a while I like a good espresso. Okay. Um, years ago, I used to like to put the sambuca in the espresso, but. Uh, for a lot of years, I stopped doing that. Yeah, sambuca with the little, 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 yeah. little, little, little black pet. sambuca. What was your coffee when you know, back in the day when you just you know before going to Starbucks and they had all this stuff and you make it from home? What brand of coffee did you love? You get from the supermarket. What was it? I I don't even remember. You don't remember? No. When you get to be old like me, you can't remember that far back. <laughs> I'm a big Folgers guy from back then. That's why I, I was remember asked. Folgers. I yeah. do remember that Maxwell House. Maxwell House, chock full of nuts. Um, yeah. Back in the day, Sanka. Sanka was that? That was a decaf, though, right? Sanka. Uh, probably both, but, but that was the instant. I think. Yes, instant the coffee. instant. Yeah, you had, came in a little thing, a little jug, and you. Went, well, yeah, I, I know exactly all about that. It had the tea, the uh, it's like a tea bag, kind of yes. thing, right? Yes. Yes, yes I yes, remember yes, that too. Yes. So, Kev, for people that don't know you. This is the first time they're seeing you for the you know, on the screen. Can you give us a little background about yourself, where you're from, sure. who you are, and how you got to where you are today? I appreciate that question. Um, I um, I grew up in Queens initially from Astoria, Queens. Uh, moved out to uh, to Long Island, Syosset, when I was uh, in fifth grade, a whole lot of years ago, and went to um, high school in Oyster Bay, uh, St. Dominic's High School great little school and um, eventually got married in uh, in in the in 1980 um, uh, had my daughter I have two children now that uh, grown <laughs> very grown children 
I have two grandchildren, um, a, a grandson, granddaughter. And um, as far as career-wise, I, uh, at a very young age, I, um, I, I owned a small little business, a private telephone business. Um, private telephone business. Business telephone systems. <laughs> okay. Um, before we went on air, you know, I told you that I, had, I was going to Farmingdale University. And back then, um, because I come from a family of police officers, my dad was a, a Brooklyn cop, my grandfather... Uh, cousins. Um, at a high school, I thought I wanted to be a police officer. So I started going. 1974 is when I graduated high school. Yeah, I was born. Here we and, go. And and I think that was the first year. All of a sudden, you needed to get a college degree to be a police officer. So I started going to Farmingdale University um, and in my 69 Nova, green, Hunter Green. And after a couple of weeks, I just said, this isn't for me. At the same time, I was working part-time for a, a private telephone company, a business telephones, and I loved it. And so I stopped going to college, and then I, I got a full-time, I became full-time at this private telephone company. I was a telephone technician. I used to run cable, um, and I really loved it, and I took to it, I learned it, and I was working for a, a a large company at that time, a big NEC distributor in Melville, and they had like five partners and they started fighting amongst each other and the company basically was going out of business. Sort of so dissolving. It was dis well, yeah, it was, it was a big problem. And I was one of four service technicians, so I knew all the accounts that I serviced and the other guys, they had their accounts. So we got together and we formed a service company. Um, I guess I was, what was I at the time? Probably 21, 22 years old. And, um, and I had my own little company with, with four other partners, and uh, that was crazy. How was it? Though? Was it lucrative? Uh, not really. Not really. Not really. <laughs> um, and especially having to deal with four other people, and, you know, that's four other, you know, chefs, so right. to speak, in the right. kitchen. Right. Right? That you have to deal with. Right. And we were, you know, we were young and, and, and crazy at the time. And, uh, you know, being that we owned this little company, we thought that we were important and we're going out. And one of my partners at the time got in trouble. So I had to separate from, I, I separated from three partners and me and one other guy, we formed a different company. And we went on our way. It was called Long Island Telephone Group. And, um, uh, me and my partner, we did, so I, I had to put on the sales hat, all right, because we realized what happened was me and my partner, we were servicing the accounts, and we had, now we're like, all right, we need new accounts. Yeah, and now you got to go out there and go hustle. So I raised my hand and said, I'll put the suit and tie on, and, and, and I'll try to get us new accounts, and that's how I got into sales, and, um, and, I, and I did well at it, and um, after a couple of years, there was another company in Manhattan um, that was a lot bigger than us that went public. And they expressed an interest in acquiring our little company. And I, we, we entered into an agreement with them and basically they acquired my company. And I went to work for them for a very short time. And um, um, yeah, so-, so How that, does that happen? So, so you're working, you're, you're doing your thing, get this little company, you and your partner now, things are going okay, you're starting to make some sales, you're out there doing it. How does word get to you that a bigger company wants to acquire your company? How does that happen? I, I, um, I actually met the president of that company 
before I met him, I was doing, we were doing, my little company, we were doing um, cabling work for another, pri we, were, we were, another company was subcontracting to us to do their cabling work, a company in Hicksville. So I would go to that company to get the work, get paid, whatever, and, and when I went there one day, I met the president of the public company who was friends with the owner of that company, and we got to know each other and talking, and 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 one thing led to the other. Was it a lucrative deal? Did you got? Did you were you able yeah. to like retire basically? No, no, no. It it, uh, it it wasn't lucrative. It it was good. It's good. Um, you know, you got to realize you have two young kids that are running a company that really, you know, we're learning as we go, and um, you know, we're breaking even, um, and basically, uh, you know, over some time you accumulate liabilities, you know, tax liabilities, and you know, you're trying to get the company going. So so the public company basically was able to uh, satisfy all our debt, and um, you know, we, we made a little bit of money. But now, let's fast forward here, because right, like, like you, we were talking off of air, and you said your advocacy, right, all right, didn't start until around seven years ago. Right. So take us up to that point. Let's go now seven years prior to today, when you say that your advocacy started then, what do you mean by that? All right, well, um, what I mean by that is I went to my first, I was never, ever interested, paid any attention to politics, certainly not local politics, okay? Um, what were you into then? If you weren't into politics, right? So what were you doing? You're working, but what were you doing? Are you into sports? Are you into, you know, boozing? Like, you know, what are you I, doing? I, I, I like sports. Um, I love playing uh, ball league softball. <laughs> I um, pretty much, we worked hard and we played hard. We went out after work. You know, we're talking, we're talking the 80s. What was your drink? We go to the bar, what would you drink? In the summertime, Bacardi and Coke with lemon. Okay, good drink. Um... But primarily, apps back then, absolute vodka. You know that that was probably it. Straight, uh, absolute straight, uh, or no, on the rocks with soda. With soda, I'm okay. sure there were a couple times I had it on the rocks. Did you ever get to the point that you were drinking too much? That you absolutely. Said, yeah, absolutely. I'm very, very proud of the fact that uh, 14 years ago I uh, I retired from drinking. I would talk talk to me about that, right? Because a lot of people struggle with addiction. And, you know, it, it's not as easy sometimes, you know, you hear the stories as people may think. You're drinking, when you say that you, 14 years ago you stopped, well, take us before that. What was the routine that made you sit there and say, hey, Kev, man, this is not the way that I want to be? What were you doing? What was your drinking routine that made you think that you needed to stop or, or had a problem? Well, my drinking routine pretty much was, you know, after work, going out and uh, rewarding myself for the day's work, you know, going to the bar um, with the intent of going in there and having just one or two. And um, I, I never just had one or two. You know, I had an intent to go in there and have one or two, but, you know, it was always four or five or six or maybe 10 or 12. And um, Oh, so you're that trash some nights. Yeah, you know, so... Um, you know, I'm married. I have I have children, and um, you know it 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 affects it affects a lot of things. Um, what the final straw was was uh, I'm kind of glad that you asked this question, um, although it's not a simple answer. I, um, uh, I I did get arrested in 2005 for a DWI, and um, 
that is what finally got me to uh, to realize that it's probably a good idea to stop. How trash were you when the cops pulled you over? Like, were you at the point, you know, for anything that I get pulled over, even though I used to be a prosecutor, even though I have credentials, whatever, I still shit my pants when I see the sirens behind me, you know, and whenever they do, it's not me, and I pull over, and then they right. keep going. It's like, oh, what a day. This, What a blessing this right. is. It wasn't, you know, I didn't do anything. But I could just imagine knowing that I'm trashed, and I've been drinking, and now the cops are on my tail here. You know, what right. was... I actually knew they were on my tail. I, I saw them. I'm going to tell you what happened. Just if you could, just push the mic here. Sure. You, no, or I, I, or, or I grab it. Here, you can yeah, grab yeah. it and give it to you. Just so I want... Now, here, right here. See where I am? Yeah. Now, pull it to you. Okay. There you go. Okay. Now your voice is... I, I, actually, um, I'm, I'm glad you asked this because this probably... What I'm going to tell you, this probably was the first um, factor that um, helped me when I finally went to the board meeting. I'll try to explain. So, I'm living in Northport, small village in Northport. I lived there for a long time. For At the time um, that I got arrested in Northport in a DWI stop, we're talking 2005. So, so I'm living in Northport now for 25 years. And I come from a family of police officers. Um, and You're going to talk about the arrest now. I'm here, talking right? about the arrest. Okay, yeah. good. And um, you know, I have I have a, a teenage son um, at the time. I'm living in Northport, and teenage sons have parties at the houses, right? So there was a time where the neighbors called the police to come to my house in Northport, the small, quaint village in Northport. And I'm sure at the time that my son was having that party, you know, I had a few drinks as well. And when the when the Northport police officers came to the house, maybe maybe I wasn't very very cordial to them when they came to my house, you know, for my son's party, and they and they left and 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 I forgot about that. So fast forward, I don't know how much further they knew they were pulling me over in Northport. Uh, so I know. So you, what you're basically saying is you're using the word cordial. You probably should have said belligerent. Well, I wasn't belligerent, but I, I probably but, said to them, listen, it's my house. My son's having a party. Leave us alone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, and, and they probably didn't take kind to how that And happened. they didn't take kind to that, probably. Okay. So, and at the time, I didn't think it was any big deal, but um, after I got arrested and we got into the process, we actually, because I went to trial, I went to trial on the DWI um, arrest, and we got we got the recordings, the car-to-car -car radio transmissions between the cops before they pulled me over. And they actually said, you, you know who that is, they knew who they were pulling over, right? That's McKenna. And um, so, I, I I get out of the car. This and is prime I, time when I'm just so you you're in Suffolk County in Central Islip? No, Northport Village. Oh, Northport. And he, they have their own court. Oh, yeah. Laser. Uh, uh, the Sensor. Sensor. Yeah, but he got what removed. A, he got oh, removed. he got removed. I was his DA there on Monday nights. Those are Monday night courts, right? Court on Monday is that night. right? Yeah, Monday night court. I hated him. He likes to hear himself talk. I got into the biggest argument. He called my boss. He stopped. You know, we were doing it because they want to make money. And, you know, they want everybody to be either guilty or high fines. Now, here I am, 
I'm coming in, and I, I you know, I, I give everybody a second chance, third chance. You know, we're in village court at night. I don't even want to be there. And these are all petty bullshit charges that, you know, people are coming right. with. I'm not talking about DWIs. I didn't have too much liberty. But at that time, you did. And in the middle, he stops. Mr. Kozo, get in my office right now. What are you doing? I go, what do you mean, what am I doing? He goes, you're letting everybody go. He goes, this is not how it goes. I run this courtroom. I go, but they're the charges from the DA, like from the cops. We make the deal. No, I make the deal. I'm calling your boss right now. And he calls up, whatever he tried to do, but it was at night. Nobody was going to answer or anything like that. And I kind of got in line for him because I really just wanted to go home. Nobody right. wants to be there at 11 o'clock at night in Northport Village Court talking about traffic tickets and trespassing charges. But he, I hated him. And the thing about Lawyer, him... Lawyers hated him also. I couldn't get a lawyer to represent me because they didn't want to have to go waste their time in this courtroom. Yes. And here's the other thing is he would then come as a regular private attorney Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and then expect a deal from me. And I told him straight, I said, I'm not giving you any deals. What are you talking about? I go, look what you just did there. Whatever you, Whatever's happening in Northport is going to happen in this courtroom for you. Not for anybody else. Couldn't take it. And then I was never the DA there again because he didn't want me there. And again, I just know he's just a, a total prick, that judge. What a douchebag. He got in some trouble a few years ago. They removed him. I forget exactly what happened. The best thing ever. But uh, Douchebag. So let me tell you what happened, okay? So... Um, I, um, the night I got pulled over, uh, my father had just passed away. I had just come back, uh, I don't know, a week before from my father passing away suddenly in Florida. And, um, and I actually drove my father's car back up from Florida. So I was driving my father's car and in the back window was my father's police sticker and, um, whatever. So, so, um, I was in Centerport that night. We were out with some friends at a restaurant. I had plenty of drinks. I admit that I shouldn't have been driving. When you say plenty, how many? I don't know, four or five, six drinks that night. You know. And we're talking about alcohol, like uh, hard alcohol, not beer. Talking about rum and cokes or whatever you were drinking? Yeah, either rum and cokes or vodka, whatever. Yeah, that's, that's, that's nice. It's nice and tipsy right there. So, um, so I'm telling you that I was driving, you know, I was, I was driving drunk. There's yep. no question about it. But here's what happens. And actually, today, I'm glad that it happened because it got me on the path that I've been on for the last 14, 14 years, right? If, it, if that didn't happen, maybe I would still be drinking today, right? So I thank them in a way. But what happens is I, I, I'm driving 25A East. I stop at a light by the mobile station on Pulaski and, uh, and Laurel Road. And I remember it vividly right now, even though I was drunk. I remember it. You know, I, I remember the whole thing. And I look to my left, and I see the, the Northport cop sitting in the mobile station, pointed towards the road. I'm waiting for the light to change. The light changes, and I continue on my way. Apparently, he, he pulls out behind me, right? He, he knew my car. They knew who I was. And, um, and I saw him following behind me for a little while. The lights go on. I pull over on 25A, and it's 1 a.m., 1.10 a.m. in the morning. There's nobody else on the road. And um, comes up to the window, get out of the car. I get out of the car, and I walk to the rear of the car. And, um, you know, they ask me whatever, if I've been drinking, what have you. And um, shortly, quickly, and they did they did the uh, look in the eye thing with the, with the light. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they say, uh, put your hands behind your back. You're under arrest. And I said to them... Um, 
What I said to them was, because they looked in my eyes, I said, are you a doctor? Is what I said to them. Are you a doctor? And within about five, 10 seconds, the second officer, Officer Hughes, that was standing to the right of Officer Bakker, he physically attacked me. He, he basically grabbed me and threw me face down on the ground on the side of the road. Immediately, I was face down on the ground and immediately handcuffed, face down on the ground. And one of the officers, at the time I had longer hair, one of the officers took my hair from behind my back, continued to smash my face, face down into the pavement, while the other cop beat me in the back with a stick. This doesn't make too much sense. I'm going to just be honest with you. And I, I don't mean to call you out on it, but why didn't you send your white privilege card and show it to them? I, I didn't have I didn't have time. <laughs> While this was going on. Think about on, this, though. Yeah. Right? You're a white guy, and this is happening to you. It's funny that a story like this comes out. There's, because a, there's, you would a, think, there's a reason I, I'm, I'm appreciating telling you this story because I'm going to get to corruption in the federal court system. Go ahead. Okay? So while this is going on, I, I literally thought they were killing, they were, I was being killed. I was helpless, face down, and I, I thought I'm being killed. I really thought that. Um, it went on for, it seemed like forever, and they stopped. And I'm like, all right. And I'm face down. My head is actually under the under the rear of my car, right? And I hear them laughing, talking amongst themselves, laughing. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes back, grabs the back of my head, and sticks a can of mace under my face, and they unload a can of mace under my face after they beat me. Okay? And um, how bad was that? That's bad. Mace is not a lot of fun. No, I you, can't even, you can't even open it. You're burning. You're, you're Are on. you still handcuffed at the time? Oh, I was handcuffed the whole time. So you they can't beat even me. put your hands on your eyes I, to rub your no, eyes, no, which no, is no, even no, terrible. No, no, no. So, so fast forward. So they get me in the car, and um, they made a quick stop at the Northport Police Station. And then because they maced me after they beat me, they had to, by law or by procedure, they had to take me to Huntington Hospital because I was maced. So I go to Huntington Hospital to the emergency room because they have to clean the mace, whatever they do. And, um, you know, naturally I'm trying to tell the, the emergency people there what, you know, what they did to me. And they, they listened to me, but they couldn't react. The cops were standing right over them. Fast forward, I, I spend the night in the Northport jail cell. Um, I could hardly walk. Um, I, I felt the next morning when I was arraigned, because of the beating that they gave me, I could not walk from the jail cell to judge, I think I remember his name, Krafa, Krafa, and I was arraigned. And because I was physically, the judge could see, I had bruises on my face um, from what the slamming on the pavement, and um, they saw how injured I was, so the judge purposely set bail high, figuring I wasn't gonna be able to, it was a Saturday morning, and they wanted me to not make bail, they wanted me to have to go out to Riverhead so probably they could justify the beating that happened out in Riverhead. But I was able to make bail, I got out. Luckily, a friend of mine came down there with, they said you have an hour to bring down cash. They wanted me to go to Riverhead. I got out. Fast forward, now I need a lawyer, okay? And um, before I, I had a quick, a, a quick date in court for an arraignment. Yeah. 
and I'm calling up, and once they heard Northport, Judge Senza, as we talked before, yep. they're like, we, we can't go there. We can't sit there and listen to this guy pontificate. It's a waste of our time. I Not only that, it, you know, if, if let's just say the trial is $10,000. For Judge Senza, it's going to be 25000 because people, because, you know, when attorneys don't want really a case, and they're like, this is going to be too much. The money's not going to be even be worth it. They'll put the right. price extraordinary high right. because now it's actually going to be worth it. Now you're a victim of that because right. nobody wants to go there. So I get this one lawyer on the phone. Um, I, I don't know whether it's good to mention his name or not. I'm, I'm not going to mention his name. He, he's a former assistant district attorney in Suffolk County, and, and he's practicing law. And I get him on the phone, and he says to me, he says, listen. He listened to the whole everything that happened. He's like, I, I really, I really don't want to. He was, he was thinking about it. I said, listen, Mister So and So. I said, I, I like the conversation that you, you, we just had. I want you to take my case. I will pay you. I need a lawyer for Monday or whenever it was. He says, hold on. Comes back on the phone, and he basically says, all right, you bring me X amount of money. Um, you know, before then, I'm going to take your case. He took the case, and. Um, Fast forward, we, 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 we went to trial. Um, you had a bench trial or jury trial? It was a uh, jury trial. Of course. Can't have, the, can't have. I, I was the first jury trial in Northport, like, almost ever. Like, yeah. You know, like, like, and um, I was charged with, uh, I was charged with, uh, with DWI. I'm sure resisting arrest. I was charged with, uh, I think... Uh, Three charges of resisting, resisting arrest. Obstruction of government. I was charged with felony robbery. They accused me, to justify the beating, they accused me of taking their gun and running away with the gun. Not taking the gun. They accused me of attempting to take their gun out of the holster and running away in order to justify the, the beating. beating. Right? Felony robbery. Right, that's why the attorney needed so much money because I was charged with a felony. Yep, and um, speeding—they charged me with speeding. Right, I um, justifying the stop. Yeah, um, and I think that was it. Anyway, I, I was found guilty of the DWI. I think I was found not guilty of the speed. Whatever, I, I was found guilty on the serious charges. The felony charge of of robbery. That went to a grand jury before the trial, and the, the grand jury laughed at it. They threw that charge out. Oh, good. So I didn't go to trial with, with the felony. You know, that was that was. Gone. But you lost on the DWI. Yeah, I lost on the DWI. And as I said, I, I, you know. Sometimes you don't have a good case. Did you take, let me ask you this, though. When you had that DWI, did I didn't, you go? I didn't do the breath of law. I didn't take. So it was a refusal. It was a refusal. Okay. Right? So I tell you that because now, um, after that happens, what, listen, I deserve to get the DWI. Were you happy with your attorney? Yeah. yeah. You, you like yeah, him? Yeah, Say yeah. his name. I probably know him. Who Michael Brown. Mike Brown is Mike the best. Brown. Yeah, Michael Central Brown. Central Islip. Right. Yeah, he's former DA. He used yeah, to be yeah, with yeah. Macedonia and Brown. Lives, lives Brown and Macedonia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. Yeah. He's a judge now over in, I think, Harborfield. I, I didn't know that. So yeah. He is right. the best. Right. So, naturally, I am livid at being beaten by handcuffs, so... I find a great lawyer in Manhattan that wants to take my case. A Manhattan lawyer, um, uh, God, his name just escaped me. And um, so we file a federal lawsuit 
for excessive force, you know, in, in what happened to me. And um, fast forward, the case gets assigned to a, uh, a federal court judge, and this is where I witnessed firsthand corruption in the federal court system. Gets assigned to a judge, Sandra Fiorestein, who, uh, whose mother was like the first female. Oh, you're talking about right here in Central, Central Iceland. Iceland. Oh, yeah. Right, she so. passed away. She got, uh, in, uh, she she got, got hit killed. by a car. Yeah. Yeah, what goes around comes around. Okay? So, so we go to a jury trial where I get these three Northport police officers on trial. And I say the third because there were only two at the scene. But you had the sergeant but back the at the sergeant, desk? the sergeant perjured himself and said that, Sergeant Ricca perjured himself and said that he was at the scene and that he had to assist the two police officers, right, when, when I ran away. It was all nonsense, right? So we, we got the sergeant so in. So you're saying right now the amount of lies and corruption runs so deep in sometimes in these police stations that this, are you knocking on your foot? Yeah. You're doing something for yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm getting a little nervous talking about this. No, why? Sorry. Well, well, I'm bringing back very, memories. Yeah, I'm bringing okay. back a lot of memories. But the thing is, is you're saying that there was really only two officers, and a law, another officer went so far, yeah, as to perjure himself and say that he was actually there so he could back up the other two officers' story. They needed help. Yeah, they needed help with this with this guy that tried to steal their gun and everything else. The, it's interesting because they said that I was so inebriated. If I was so inebriated, how could how how could I have done all this stuff? You know what I'm saying? They yeah. immediately threw me to the ground. Any anyway, so so we um, we get to federal court and we get to trial, and um, the the three Northport police officers that are. I'm the plaintiff, realize, I'm the plaintiff, right? Yeah. And the officers, when they're coming to the trial, they come in their Northport, you know, police uniforms, so the, the jury could see yeah. you know, I know, their, like their the, uniforms the, the, and everything it, else. And right out of the get-go, the judge, out of the get-go, the judge was purposely mispronouncing my attorney's name. She actually, in front of the jury, said to him, uh... And again, his name is... The I'm name is irrelevant. She, she says to him, Mr. So-and-so, your office is in Manhattan? Yeah. You're, you're coming here all the way to represent this man from Manhattan on this case? Like... That's what she said yeah, in front of the jury? in front of the jury. Okay, so it's on the record. Right there, it's, it's kind of tainted because now it's like, it, what's the purpose? Like, right. why, why right. make the... Why trek the trip? For someone who, a case that is so measly as this, why would you come all the way out here? Which is bullshit. Basically, from the get-go, she was saying, how dare you sue these fine police officers? She, she almost said that. What was the outcome? I would assume not guilty. It was a hung jury. Hung, hung. No video. Think about it. Think about, let me backstep for a second. She bifurcated the case. You probably know what that means. She wouldn't allow us to talk about my injuries to the jury until we proved excessive force. She bifurcated the case, so we couldn't even talk about my medical records and anything else. And despite that, without, without video, right, we got a hung jury, which was a win. And um, we were like, yes, because up until, it, up until that point, 
because of everything the judge did to sabotage the case. We didn't think that we were gonna win the case. We, we were happy with the hung jury. We're like, great, we can get a retrial, right? Did you do it? She wouldn't allow a retrial. The federal judge has the ability and she did not allow the retrial. Think about that. No video. She did everything to sabotage the case. I had a strong case without that. You know, it's crazy too though, because here you are, you're saying that this was the moment that you actually started your sobriety. And it well, not seems- yet. Not yet. Okay, because I was gonna say, because it seems like at that point oh, yeah, that no, I'd no, still no, be no, drinking. Yeah. No, actually, no, actually be... you're right. Actually, I, the, the, the case, the civil case didn't, it was 2009, so you're right. I, yeah. did, I did start right after that, 2009. Because you know, from, I got arrested in 2005. It took till 2009 to get to federal court. I know that on civil cases, they won't take the case unless they think that they have money in it, right? You didn't have to pay anything out. Out. No, my my civil attorney um, took the case. He he believed he, he believed in me. You yeah. Know, he, he he took the case. I had to pay for transcripts. You know, I had to pay for out of pocket expenses and things, but. He took the case on contingency. Let's let let's um. And I'm sorry to hear that. So so, so the reason I, the reason I'm glad they asked it is because, that's where I saw corruption in the federal courtroom, up close and personal. And my attorney, before we started, I had told him about corruption in in Suffolk County on other things that I heard about before, and my attorney is like he's a Manhattan attorney. He's like, no, Kevin, there, there's, there's, there's no corruption in the federal courts. I'm like, well, this is Suffolk County. And shortly after he was in the courtroom, because he never really tried cases in Suffolk County, my attorney from Manhattan, I remember one day him saying to me, Kevin, I can't believe what's going on here. You were right. And he's like, I understand now what, what you were saying. Well, I, I want to just... Um because I know this is going to parlay right into where we want to go here, but I still want to get that moment of when you said to yourself that this lifestyle that I'm, I'm doing here with this drinking, like where were you when you finally said, this is my last fucking drink, or that was my last drink. I'm, I'm changing my life, and I need, to, I need to do something here because it's going down obviously the wrong path. What's unbelievable is, is that it was, uh, it was like a week before St. Patrick's Day. Right? You wouldn't think that that would be the time. I should have, you know, this half Irish guy, um, half Italian. Um, you would think I would have at least Yeah, last waited, name McKenna. Right? Um, you would think I would have waited for St. Patrick's Day, but um, it was just, a, I don't know, a week, week and a half before, and it was just enough was enough. I was just depressed, miserable. You got to realize that when when you have something like what happened to me happen, from the day that I got arrested in 2005 up until 2009, I was just obsessed with the case, you know, that I am gonna beat these people, you know. How much were you suing for? Um, I think when it first came out in the paper, it was, uh, I think it was, it was millions of dollars, I, you know. Um, it it would've been nice. Yeah, um, if I would've had video, if I would have had video. Meaning if you if it was two thousand and twenty three. Right. Because there's now all video. Right. They have the you know the right. body cams I think it was on. Seventy I think I think it was seventy million. Seventy yeah. million. And there was no way of negotiating anything from Northport Village or anything like that or the county of Suffolk. No, they they, they didn't want to negotiate they, anything they, or try to get like a settlement or anything like that. They went all the way out. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and um so so we get the hung jury. 
And um, my attorney said, we have great grounds for an appeal. First of all, a federal judge is not giving you a retrial. Um, you know, a lot of the things that she said on the record in front of the jury. And um, then I had to get a different attorney who filed an appeal. And then I had to wait, I had to wait a long time for the results of the appeal. And that appeal went to the, uh, I guess, the appellate court in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And we, we were confident that we, we had strong arguments on the appeal. Denied. Denied, 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 denied. And um, after that, that's when um, I said, I just can't do that. You know, I can't go any further. I can't. Because there was probably another option to go to New York State Court, whatever. So what, what, I was what out of money, too. What year are we at right now? Around 2009. 2009. Yeah. But from 2009, because you said that your advocacy really started basically, what, in 2016? Right. Before you so, started getting into politics. So, so, so to try to answer, you, to answer your question, I, 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 I was just tired of being sick and tired. I was tired of having hangovers. I was tired of... Uh, I realized that between being obsessed with the case and, and drinking at the same time, it was just causing me to be miserable. And I just woke up one day and said, I, I just don't want to do that anymore. And that's it. And um, here's, here's what happened. I pulled into 7-Eleven in Syosset. And I got out of my car and I looked up and I saw a friend of mine that I used to hang out with years before, drinking in the bars in Syosset. And I'm like, Joey, how you doing? Not good, He's, he told me he just got out of South Oaks Hospital. Um, he almost died from alcohol, liver, and he just got out of the hospital. And he's like, Kevin, what are you doing? I told him, you know. And he says, what are you doing? I said, I don't know, I'm going home. I said, Joey, what are you doing? He says, I'm going to the AA meeting right up the block on Berry Hill Road. Why don't you come with me? And I said, all right, I have nothing to do. And I went with him to that AA meeting, and I walked down those steps 14 years ago, a couple weeks ago, and um, I saw my former CYO baseball coach in the AA meeting. I saw some other people, and, uh, and I sat there and I listened, and they told me to come back to the next meeting and go to a meeting every day, and I just kept going to meetings every day. And I started to get involved. I started to carry the message. I started to bring the AA message into uh, into hospitals, into psych wards. Um, Have you had a drink since? No, I haven't had a drink in 14 years and, and a week. Tell tell for people that are struggling. One day at a time. I, I just, you know. For people that struggle with addiction, right? And, you know, you had your life while you're drinking, how different is your life now? I'm talking about clarity in your mind. I'm talking about decision making. What? Tell us some of the differences that you now have in this new life of yours. You know, looking, and I've shared this recently at, a, at an AA meeting, um, it's almost like I'm living a different life. It's almost like what went on before was different. It was just a different life. It's like uh, it, it's it's like being reborn. I mean, you know, I heard that term years ago. You know, and I'm like, what are they? It, it, I just feel like I've been reborn. I mean, um, everything is clearer. Um, I can I can feel things. Um, 
you know, your relationships with everybody are better. Um, you wake up in the morning, you know where your car is. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> um, you have money in your pocket. Yep. You know, um, but the biggest difference for me is, because alcohol for me, and I didn't realize it at the time, it made me subdued and depressed. I was a functioning alcoholic, okay? Um, I didn't wake up in the morning, I, it was only after work. I didn't have to go to a rehab and I didn't have to go through withdrawal. But when I, when I, I remember after stopping for maybe two, three months, I remember looking at trees and flowers that I had never seen before. This might sound crazy, but I remember hearing birds chirping. I remember it was just unbelievable. I wish I could feel that again. Um, it's amazing. Uh, stuff that was going on around me that I never noticed before. I, I don't know, the alcohol's out of your system. Yep. You just, mentally, it's just different. I, yeah, I don't know it's, how I, I, like I said, it's an amazing story. And, and and congratulations because and the, and the best part of it is is that um, you know especially the last whole bunch of years I carry them and I help a lot of other people. There's a lot of young people in these um, hosp psych wards, hospitals that um, that are there. There's a lot of lot of dr drugs. Okay. What I, what I noticed in the psych wards is that these young people, I'm talking 17, 16, 17, they are starting, and, and, they're, and they're there for alcohol, but they all started with marijuana. Most, most of them have started with marijuana, you know? So um, I, I believe that, that pot's a gateway drug, you know, that- um, 100%, especially for young youth. You know, when you're an adult and you're and and, and you're smoking marijuana, you kind of yeah. kind of have a, a sense of what direction of life that you want. But when you're 16, 17, you try marijuana, then it's okay. What's the next? And what's the next? Right. And what's the next? Right, right, hundred percent. I want to go now into 2016. So because now that's when you say so, that. So now you know. So I'm so from 2009. Um, we we fast forward to 2016. And I'm living in Syosset, and um, and I run across. I meet a, a woman. I meet a woman who um, was living in a in a mobile home trailer park in Syosset that made the news back in the day. Um, next to next to the old Sarah Wire site, next to where where Amazon is today. Amazon was just built on the former Sarah Wire site in Syosset, and. Um, Attached to that is the town Oyster Bay property, which is still the town Oyster Bay property, but years ago, it was an unregulated dump site where not only did every sanitation company on Long Island dump everything and anything there, it was unregulated, but also uh, Grumman, Brookhaven Labs, they dumped all their waste in that site in Syosset. And there came a time many years ago that the Nassau County Department of Health closed the site and they, they didn't clean it, they capped it. They left everything under the ground. And um, so I meet this woman who tells me that, um, that she got cancer. She lives like within a quarter of a mile from the site. And 
all the people, a lot of people in the mobile home park were getting sick. People in the neighborhoods were getting sick. So, um, I don't know, I had questions about the site, and I, I said, I'm gonna go to the Town of Oyster Bay board meeting. Had never ever been to a, a local government meeting ever in my life. And I went down to the Town of Oyster Bay board meeting back when, when uh, John Venditto was the supervisor. You know, he, he since passed away. And, um, and I sat in that board meeting, and I, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe the way that they operated. Like, you know, you could, you could just see that something wasn't right. And nobody really goes to these board meetings, especially in the town of Oyster Bay. For some reason, the town of Hempstead, people go to the town of Hempstead board meetings but people are afraid to go to the town Oyster Bay board meetings, in my opinion, because they're, they're afraid that if they speak up, they're gonna be retaliated against one way or another. Either their garbage is not gonna be picked up or, or whatever. And um, so when I went to that board meeting, um, it was right at the time when, um, when Horrendous Singh was just getting into trouble, Horrendous Singh. Who, I don't know who that is. Horrendous Singh was the guy who uh, basically helped to bring down. Can you put, put, put uh, Horrendous? Horrenda. Horrenda. Singh. Singh. S-I-N-G-H. Horrendous Singh was the restaurant mogul on Long Island. Horrendous Singh had Singletons and Beth Page, and he also owned a whole bunch of other restaurants under different what names. What was he, just if you give us the brief synopsis, what, what was he accused of? He uh, he became he he became good friends with Ed Mangano, um, Ed and Linda Mangano, and there came a time where his restaurant empire, he needed cash. He needed cash, and um, the Republicans had all their meetings in Singletons and in Beth Page back in the day, and he uh, he basically had had Mangano try to help him to get money, to get loan. He needed loans. He, he needed loans. And he, um, he was able to get the town of Oyster Bay to, um, to, to, to basically uh, co-sign loans for him. How do you know that? It's all public knowledge. It's all documented. Okay. This is him right there, Long Island restaurateur. Yeah. Horrendous Singh arrested on multiple criminal charges. What year is that? That was, um, go back up there, Eric. That was 2015. So right right there, right where you're saying. Yeah, well, when I when I was going to the meetings in, in, in 2016, that's when they, you know, it was being talked about. It was, yeah. You know, so. so but you so, knew this, but you knew this, what was going on at this waste site, and you thought there was some type of correlation from people that are getting sick or cancer to what's happening here. It sounds almost like that movie Civil Action well, with yeah, John this Travolta. Has nothing, this has nothing to this do with This has that. nothing to do with it. I'm saying, though, yeah. but I want to go back to that now, because this is where you really started your journey going down the path of corruption in, or should I say, on Long Island, right? right? So you hear about this, and you talk to this lady, and she says that she believes that it's has correlation to this site. You go to the Oyster Bay meeting. Right. How do you start then speaking up, or what do you do to start proving that this is actually what's going on here? Initially, initially, I couldn't do. I had to, I had to start doing research, and and I was working with a few other people um, in the area, and um, that were 
also, you know, aware of this, that new people, and, and we got together and we formed a, um, we formed a group called Save Our Syosset. And we started to advocate to, um, to the town board and, and Vendito, we started to advocate that we wanted to have independent testing done. At the site. At the site. And, um, and then fast forward, fast forward, John Vendito, the supervisor, he got, he got arrested on corruption charges. You could pull up John Vendito. After this, he gets arrested. The supervisor gets arrested. And, um, and then a new supervisor gets appointed, Joe Saladino. And that's when Save Our Syosset, our, our advocacy, advocacy group to try to get independent testing, really started to move. We started having you know meetings and rallies. And, um, and we got the town board's attention under Saladino. And we got a lot of residents advocating for independent testing. How was Saladino's, uh, how was he, was he warm to your idea of getting the independent testing no. or is he still giving you, you know, pushback? Pushback. He, 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 but why would that be though? Like why would, see, see this is to, for people that are just right. regular citizens of Long Island and he's a citizen of Long Island. And he says he's all for the environment. Yeah. He's why an environmentalist. Would you, you know, why would you not want to know your kids are drinking the water, your grandkids drink the water, your family, your sister, your brothers, your friends are all drinking that water. What would make right. somebody like that not want to do that? It's a good question. It's a good question, and the only the only answer I can come up with is that um, his people underneath him that he takes advice from, like in the public works department. Um, let me let me give you an example. I'm foiling information from the town. I'm trying to get copies of of records and things, and um, and the Department of Environmental Conservation. You know, they're the ones that are that are responsible for the site, for the testing and everything else. And I find out through my foiling that the DEC was relying upon the town of Oyster Bay going back many years before I came onto the scene. The DEC up in Albany, even though they have an office in Hop Hog, they, they're not sending their people out to do the testing on the sites. They were asking the town of Oyster Bay's to people, test their own site. To test their own site. Yeah, so it was, wasn't and independent. It was... Before I asked for independent testing. Yeah. In other words, the DEC, you know, is saying that there's no reason for concern because the town has been sending us all these documents over the years saying it tests for this, it tests for that. But I got a FOIL request sent to me where I think somebody wanted me to have those records where I got a few pages of documents where you could actually see that the town changed the results on the testing document, where they changed the results that were sent to the DEC. Okay, so you're saying that they actually went there, they did their own testing, they found something that they didn't want anybody to know, changed the results, sent so those sent, tell results the DEC this. to DEC. Yeah, right. so, okay. so at this point, this is very, it, it, it's, so at this point when I get this, now, I need somebody to see this. So now I start reaching out to our local um, elected officials. Not in the town, because I know that, to answer your question, I think that the reason he, he, they don't want to listen is because they, they know it's a problem, and they don't want to admit that there's a problem there. It would open up a whole can of worms, liability, everything else, right? So now you're going to go I believe to, it's a cover-up. Yeah, so now... Because they, yeah, because with the lawsuit, you could just imagine the lawsuits that they could sure. find themselves right. in. They're not going to admit that. No, 
So now here you are. Who do you go to? So um, so now I figure that legislator Arnold Drucker, he's the legislator that's responsible for the site. Um, there's an assemblyman at the time, uh, Michael Montesano, who was a Republican, who 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 I didn't think was going to help because he's friends with the people that are covering up. So I put my focus on going to legislator Arnold Drucker, who, uh, who whose LD district is responsible for that site. And I had all to do initially to get you know, to, to, to get them to engage for me to be able to explain and to show them the documents. And because I am persistent, I, I eventually got them to, to listen to me. And um, and then Legislator Drucker happened to bring on a, a new staff member in his office. And that individual um, was assigned to work with me and listen to me and hear what I had to say. And fortunately, that person was very, very interested in what I had to say and the documents and everything else. And and she started to, and, and we're working, you know, we're talking a lot. And, and, and she obviously had to take what I was talking to her about to Legislator Drucker. And it was getting really, really serious with the evidence that I had. And then Drucker moved her out of his office. She told she think- told me she told me she told me that he 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 didn't want to get in, involved in in what in what I was bringing to their attention. So there was too much heat that was coming. It was coming to light. He had to either you know basically shit or get he, off the he, pot. He, he right? didn't like, want his staff member doing her job. Well, he actually, he didn't want his staff member protecting the people that they're elected to protect. Right, which is right. the citizens right. of Nassau County. Right. So right, so. What was the result of did that water ever get or that dump site ever get checked so, by an independent you know contractor? So, so because of the advocacy and a lot of people that helped me, Saladino went public and announced that he was going to do independent testing. He had no choice. He announced to the public. You could pull it up. So you were putting that much pressure on him that he had you he forced announced his hand. We're going to do independent testing, and at that time. There was a proposed project, the Syosset Park Development Project, before Amazon, was a Syosset Park Development Project where they were going to build. Um, they were going to build two hotels. They were going to build uh, fields. Everything else on top of that site. On top of the site. So here it is. They're basically saying if we could get something erected over this site, they will never be able to then build right, or right. dig underneath it. Right. Once we have something erected from there. We're now done with the conversation of testing because we can't because there's so much concrete that's poured. Right. And is that the end result? So Saladino announces the independent testing, and and then when the project comes about, he gets them to to agree to pay for the independent testing, or at least he told the public that the developer, as part of their proposed project, they're going to pay for the independent testing, right? And the project the project was stalled. So he blamed them. He 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 said we can't do the independent testing because the developer is not at the point yet to do the independent testing because the project's not approved or whatever the reason was. He he put the burden on them. And that project 
the community threw up on the Syosset project. It, it went on for a long time. Forget about the forget about the environmental aspect. The project itself was opposed by the community, so the developer, by by not being able to do that project, now they they're walking away. So he said, "Well, they they're gone now." So it's almost like a reset. Yeah, we just spent three years of them trying to, you know, in the minutia right. of them trying to see if we could get the contract for them to develop something. Right. Now we're basically back to square one, probably right. in hopes of you not bringing it up anymore. Exactly. It's gone. It's exactly. three years, and, 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 and that's exactly what happened. So they went away. They went away, and and I kept going to the meetings. You know, you promised independent testing. You said you were going to do independent testing when you announced it. You never said it was being done by somebody. You said you were going to do it. Silence. Just and then nothing. and then here comes Amazon, and then they build. They only built on 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 one part of the property. The Syasa Park project was going to be built on the now Amazon site and the town Oyster Bay site. They scaled down the size of the project. Is there still is there still a possibility that you could test that site? Or is that just is that a foregone conclusion that you can't do that anymore? You can, you can, but um, you know Amazon's built over the site. Um, they here, here's the best part that bef- before Amazon got approved, actually Amazon had a right to build. They had an as of right to build, but um, even before they got the approvals, the DEC had a um, they had a hearing about whether. The Amazon site should be um, should be remediated, um, whether um, or whether it should be uh, fully remediated, or whether it, it uh, they could they could build on top of a cap like they did at the landfill or do nothing. And even though I brought all the information that I brought to local elected officials, when that hearing on Amazon took place. Not one local elected official, including Drucker, even weighed in on the on the hearing for the DEC. They just stayed away from it. Do you, you know, and I'm just thinking if I was in your shoes and I'm trying to build up a case for them to test it, and you have that girl that you first initiated, you know, that got you onto you know, tipped you on to what was going on and her illnesses. And, you know, again, this is all speculation because you don't have concrete proof that a is a causation of B, right. right? You have to have some type of causation there. But did you, as you, as the years were going on, were you building up a caseload of people getting sick? Yeah. You know, did you have a petition yeah. of hi? I had to go to the hospital. I got cancer. I got whatever it was, and I think it's a direct causation from this landfill. Somebody who was working with us that lived in Syosset for a whole lot of years um, went and 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 pulled people in neighborhoods and I admit I never saw the list of names and he wouldn't provide it to anybody but he said that he was able to get almost 600 people when you say him who is it only because you know to have some type of credibility here you put you throwing and the reason why I'm saying this is because of objectivity right you're throwing the people that you want to throw under the bus under the bus and then you're protecting people that are having this key information right and you're not you're not disclosing who they are a, so a, a life a lifelong resident to Syosset his name is Sean McCaffrey he lived in Syosset for a lot of years and he got very very involved in this and he, he said that he came across up to almost 600 people that he was able to get the names of 
that lived within a one mile radius of this of these bolt sites that over a whole lot of years got neurological disease, got 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 cancer, that have passed away over a lot of years, you know. He he said about six hundred people. And we tried to get the list from him, but I never saw the list, so I don't know whether it's factual or not. But, um, you know, I, I have met a whole lot of people personally. I've met a whole lot of people who have gotten sick and, and new people who died around those sites. What do you, so after this now, and you said that basically Amazon comes, what year are we in now? When this is basically now put to bed and there's no real recourse for what you want to do? Well, Amazon, Amazon was built what? Um, I don't know. Amazon was finally built or opened about a year ago. So, so you were almost doing it from 2016 up until 2022. 2021, so to speak, that you are advocating for this to get done, and nobody. You're talking about these right. these local officials right. sat on this. Not only not only Drucker, but we also had numerous meetings with Senator Jim Gorin, because Senator Jim Gorin was on the Suffolk County. Uh, he was the head of the Suffolk County Water Commission at one time, so he had a lot of expertise in in the stuff that we were talking about. We sat in his office, me and a few other, you know, people as part of our group residents, Sean. Um, and, and we laid it out for, for, for Gore and all the information that we had, and he sat there with his mouth open. Like, he, he didn't know what to say. Well, like, we He need, didn't know what to say, but you, he did nothing to, he did, did nothing not, about it. Did nothing about it. Yeah, those it. just, did you know, placating. And didn't even, when Amazon came to play to be built on the site, when he had an opportunity to say to the DEC, let's clean up the site before Amazon, didn't even weigh in on it. Just totally distanced himself from yeah, it. Yeah, they're taking that Amazon money and they're saying we could we have we have a win-win here. Right. We're getting money now for the county and for the town, and we're putting to bed this theory that we don't have to now have any exposure to at all and have any lawsuits that are going right. to come against us. And at that time, back then, we, I, we also wrote letters to at the time County Executive Laura Karen, Nassau County Department of Health. Why didn't you? No, why, no response. Why wouldn't no response. you? Why wouldn't you try to contact, say, Amazon, and say, "Hey, listen, you have your people here." We did. We 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 made them aware of the fact that that you're you're getting involved in a, in a big problem site. We we did. You know, to the best of our ability. You know, I forget who we got in touch with, but we did. We 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 alerted the people that we're thinking about, but we did, we did do that, but. What now, after this now then takes place, what was your next thing? So now you're in it, now you're saying that you're into this advocacy here for people. It looks like now that you have. I, I just kept going to, I just kept, I, I became interested in the board meetings just in general. Aside from this, I I just kept going to town Oyster Bay board meetings. And. Um, well, what's the next level of corruption that you saw? Well, let, let me let me also tell you, because I, I, I haven't, said this, um, that after I started going to the meetings in, in 2016, 17, and I started to learn what I was learning, I'm like, I, I have to have a way to, to tell the public what I'm learning down here, right? And that's when I started my Facebook page back uh, in September 2016. Why don't you tell everybody what the, that, the name of that is? I, well, back then I started the page um, under, it was Town of Oyster Bay something, but the page has has grown to now become Nassau County NY News on Facebook. Nassau County Nassau NY County News. NY News on Facebook. Um, You're up to then, almost 15,000 people, you said, right? It's close to 18,000 18, people right now. Um, and I'm getting, the, the past 28 days, the pages like lately, um, 
it's just really going crazy right now. Um, and when it's 28 days, I, I have almost 80,000 page reach in 28 there days. There it is right there. Congratulations, your site, NassauCounty.co. Nassau County, New York News. 17,000 followers, um, but I think it's about 17,500. It's getting close to 18,000. And now what you do there is, and one of the things that you do, you have a phone number listed there. You also have a website, NassauCountyNewYorkNews.com, that people can always go to and and find out. Yeah, about six, eight months ago, I started the, the, the website because there's a lot of people who are not on Facebook, so... And what are you on. doing now? So you're basically almost an as a, almost an independent journalist, I, I, so to speak. I, correct. I, I am an independent journalist, and I've been recognized by Newsday as being a. They call me a blogger. A they, blogger. They won't. They won't print that I'm a. A journalist, they they have recognized me as a blogger. Well, I would almost say a vlogger with the V there because you're now posting videos. What are you doing? You're going on because I want to play one of the videos. Take us through the one that you went through and you had, and his name is William Farrow, right? What happened? Set us up for this video that we're about to watch here. You go to this board meeting and what's taking place? Uh, Just give us the background, the backdrop. To set you up for it, okay? Um, If you could talk a little bit closer to that mic, there you go. To set you up for it, it's uh, there's some things that happened before the event of that day. I I, I was known before that. I'm, I'm known for going to local board meetings, whether they be school board meetings, um, town of Oyster Bay board meetings. I went to town of Hempstead meetings. Now I go to legislator meetings, and I'm known for going to those meetings and live streaming the meetings. Oh, they must love you, and uh, and they don't love me. <laughs> They, you know, a lot of these, they, 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 they bury the links for their live stream so people can't, you know, they say they live stream, but it's hard to find their links. So I make it easy for the people, you know, I put it right in their face. It should be right on their website, right? It should be, listen, board meeting Monday, 8 o'clock, and here's the link. And it never right. goes away. And if you want, you just click every board meeting and it should do that. You're saying that these town board meetings, once they post them, they hide them from their website and it's almost impossible to get to. What I'm saying is just take the town Oyster Bay, for instance. If you go on their website right now and you pull up the main page, um, you're, you're not going to see on the main page an easy way to know where the links are to their past board meetings. You have to, you have to know how to navigate the site to, get, to drill down to find the links inside the town Oyster Bays. Now, these are public meaning you don't have to be a town of Oyster Bay resident to go to. Anybody can go to these Anybody can go to the meeting. Okay. And by the way, they don't have to live, they're not not required by law to live stream the meetings. So the town Oyster Bay, voluntarily, they live stream their meetings when they're taking place if you know how to, where to find the link on the website. How to access it. Okay. So when when I go there and live stream it, it pops up immediately to all my followers on, you know, it, it goes live. So it's right, it's in their face, right? I make it easier for the people to see what's going on. And a lot of people right now are watching. Yeah, and, and accessibility, right, which is key there. So take us now to this board meeting here with so, William Farrow. Okay, so um, before the board meeting with William Farrow, I want you to know that I went to Jericho School Board meetings. I went there to live stream the meeting. In fact, the first Jericho School Board meeting that I went to, when I walked into the lobby, I didn't know where the auditorium was. And um, I'm in the lobby, and Bill Farrow, this is, this is many weeks before the incident. When I first went there, 
and I'm in the lobby. Bill Farrow actually came out to the lobby. Somebody must have told him, Kevin McKenna's in the building. They, they knew who I was. They, they knew that I was going to Syosset school district meetings, and they knew that I went there and I live streamed Syosset. So I walk into a meeting that's in progress. I'm trying to find the room, and Bill Farrow comes out, and he introduces himself to me, and he, he brings me into the auditorium to the school board meeting, and um, he welcomes me. Like, he, he, he was very friendly. I live streamed the meeting, which I have video of. In fact, during that meeting, I, you know, I go and I speak at the, at the podium, and, I, and at that meeting, I went there for a reason, and when I spoke at the podium, it was about the Jericho Water District at the time, I complimented the Jericho School Board. I said, you know, you guys probably have heard, I go to Syosset board meetings, and, and this is my first Jericho meeting, and I want to compliment you guys on how you're running this board meeting compared to Syosset, and they, they like that, right? So what I'm saying to you is that I went to a, a board meeting before what we're gonna talk about, no problem, they let me live stream. Um, subsequent to that, I went to um, a civic meeting that was being held at Jericho, and, um, that civic group didn't want me to live stream uh, the meeting. They didn't want me to live stream it. Now, is there any, before we get into anything, is there any rules or regulations that prevent you or they say, hey, listen, this is not allowed to be filmed? Or is this something that you've looked into and saying, hey, listen, this is a public you know, uh, meeting. This is a public building. I'm a taxpayer in on Long Island, so to speak. I don't know where your, where your domicile is right now. But... I'm allowed to do this, I should be allowed to do this. New York State open meetings law allows you to live stream public meetings okay. in a public facility. Understood. Okay, and and that's what I told Bill Farrow when he got in my face and he blew a cork. So so what I'm, what I'm saying is I never had any problem at Jericho until this day when, when I went to a Jericho announced, the Jericho School Board announced, they announced a meet the candidates night for um, school board members, right? And I say that for a reason. This Jericho School District, they announced the board meeting. Not the, the legal woman's voters didn't announce the, the meet the candidates. The Jericho Board of Education on their website announced the meet the candidates night where their incumbent on the school board that was already on the school board was running against a, uh, a candidate that was running from the outside, a woman from Jericho. So there were only two candidates, the incumbent and the challenger. And the challenger, her name was Maria. Um, she happened to be an Asian woman from Jericho. And um, so I, I went to this meet the candidates night. I got there a little late and I, and I went there with a friend of mine at the time who, who accompanied me, who took that side video and um well what was it? so there was just a meeting it's just it wasn't a debate it was this is candidate this is the incumbent this so is the, the challenger and you know I, what i'm saying to you is is why would you think going to that and i'm not uh, i'm just trying to say well, why would you think that that's a newsworthy thing that you'd want to do that is there something that i'm missing here or is it just this is what you do i my goal is to make it easy for the public the residents, the voters in the Jericho School District to, to, to see and hear what the candidates have to say. That's I'm a perfect doing, reason. I'm, I'm providing a public service. service. Yeah, perfect reason. I, so will, I will tell you, I, I need to tell you that prior to going to this meeting, um, because I have 
the page that I have. I, I, I am provided a lot of information from people on the outside, people who bring me tips on corruption. And prior to this meeting, look at you, look at you, little, little inspector gadget over there. Prior to this meeting, I was provided with information where um, I found myself in the district attorney's public corruption unit weeks before this night. And we were in there talking about possible corruption that was brought to my attention having to do with the town of Oyster Bay. So I'm sitting with the investigators and the DA's public corruption unit, and um, we talk about this. And at that point, I, I had been in touch with them many times prior. We, we got to know each other, me and the public corruption unit. Which is a great thing. You're right. providing a service, something that they're not able to do because of their resources, and the time that you're doing it is you know, right. after hours, and here you are, and again, right. like you said, you are now facilitating people. It's almost like a Project Veritas type thing. Right. You know, that people that have some type of information, right. they don't know where to give it to, and you know what? Let's give it to right. Kevin McKenna. So we're winding down our meeting about the topic that I went there for, and um, I was talking to them about something else in Jericho, the Millridge Inn. That's a whole nother... The, Mil the Millridge Inn basically continues to operate till this day without a public assembly license and without a certificate of occupancy. And when I brought up the Millridge Inn to the investigators at that time, and I told them that I was going to be going to Jericho to live stream the Meet the Candidates night, the investigators told me, Kevin, when you go to the Jericho board meeting, don't go alone. We, we can't tell you what we know, but when you go there, don't go alone. So that's why I had the friend of mine come with me to that meeting. And As an assistant, yeah, uh, you of know, course. I, I didn't know why, so I'm glad that they told me that, because if they didn't, I wouldn't have had somebody, I would have been there by myself live streaming the meeting, right? I wouldn't have had that side view. So take us to the live stream meetings. You get there, you said you got there so a little bit late. So we get there a little late, and um, it, it was funny because we, we both got there a little late. I met a friend, that we didn't come together. We kind of arrived at the same time. We walked into the lobby, and um, when you walk into the, the lobby, the auditorium is right there, and that's where they normally have their meetings. But they didn't have the meeting in the auditorium. They had the meeting hidden in some, they didn't want people to easily find where the meeting was. They didn't want people to hear the candidate that was running against. Oh, they're probably, I, I, I understand. Okay? Okay. So we had to find the room. So we, we, we walked to the back of the school, and, and, and we finally find the room, and at the door, they had a security guard. It's the first time that Jericho ever had a security guard at their meeting that I saw. Sounds a little. Sounds already the smell of corruption. Not corruption, but also you know almost as if we want our guy. They knew that I was coming. Yeah, and now we want our guy, and we don't want anybody to know about the other guy. So I walk at the room. The meeting is going on, as you could probably hear, and. Um, out of courtesy, because I live stream, the room was packed. There had to be 50, 70 Jericho parents in, you know, in the room. It was okay. packed. It was a full auditorium. I purposely went and sat in the front row so that I don't put, you know, a lot of people don't like to be on camera. So I sat in the front row because I just want to show the meet the two, the two candidates. I yep. want, you know, 99.9% .9 of the Jericho residents weren't there. Yeah. So my live stream is enabling all those people to decide who, who they should vote for. Exactly. They didn't want that. They didn't want the, the Jericho residents to see that. And they know that I have a huge following at the time. 
So I sit down. Actually, as I walk in, my live stream's going as I walk in, and I sit in the front row, live streaming the meeting. Can we just play it? And all of a sudden, let's just play it. Don't even say it. Eric, can you uh, get that going? Let's. let's... And remember, we were friends up until the, we never. So had now this is the side view. That's you right there in the blue jacket, yeah. just so for people to know. Yeah. And tell us who that person is right there. His name Before... is uh, William Farrow, and at the time, he was the president of the Jericho Board of Education. Okay. All right. So let's actually, Eric, do you have this, the first video of him doing it or no? Let's do that, and then let's see the second one. I think, because I'd rather get your point of view first. Here you are with the live stream, and let's do that video first, and then we'll see the second, because the first video is not going to give justice to the altercation as much as the second video, but I want to see the first one first. So here we go. This is your live stream. I'm walking in. I'm, I'm going to the seat. Okay. Let's play it. The meeting was already going on. No, no right, so that's why I'm saying it's illegal. It's illegal. No Kevin, you have to leave then. Kevin, you have to leave. Oh, yeah. I'll go outside. I'll talk to you. Okay. What, what did you just say to me? He said, Kevin, you have to leave. There's no, no videotaping. It's the League of Women Voters rules. Okay, There's right. no videotaping. It's a public facility. Then you're being asked to leave. It's a public facility. Then you're being asked to leave. Please don't have me call the police. You're going to need to call the police. Don't disrupt this, Kevin. Okay. Okay. Don't disrupt this. It's a public facility. You cannot prevent me from Then leave. Here's security. They're asking you to leave. Don't touch me. I'm touching you. Put that on. Put that on Facebook too. You can't, Kevin. Prevent me from videotaping. It's the rule. You it's cannot a, videotape. It's a publicly owned facility. We need him to leave. It's a publicly owned facility. Sir, it's I a will. publicly owned facility. And you don't belong here. You're not a district resident. What's your name? No My What's name it? is Bill Farrell, president of the Board of Education. And you're you're saying I can't videotape that's exactly in a public what I'm saying. facility? I'm saying that's the rule of this meeting tonight. It's on this Wait, paper. Rule is it? It's on the paper. You don't own it's a public facility. You need to leave. No. You need to leave. Bill. Oh, Bill. 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 Oh, Bill. All right, let's get right in. Let's parlay that right into the second video because now we'll see the side view of it, of exactly what was going on there, and then we'll, t we'll, we'll discuss it. Let's see this. Um, first of all, it's just unbelievable. And, you know, this, for an adult to act that way to another adult because you're filming is just outrageous in my opinion. But let's he should be thanking me for he should be thanking me for showing the public the meet the candidates night. Why would you not? Unless you have something to hide. Thank you. Okay. Well let's see here. here this is the side view. This is your friend now that you came there with okay, here we go. Lady in the whites, the security guard that was at the door, who didn't hand me the paper with the rules that I didn't know about. The legal rules. Jesus. So, so now tell us what happens from there, because that's that's crazy. What happens from there is it gets worse. Uh, well, almost worse. I go sit in the third row. 
I go sit in the third row. I was in shock because I never expected this. To, I was in shock. Yeah. I sit in the third row, and um, I was still, when I sat down, I think my camera was... Can't say too much in shock because you got tipped off a little bit that something could be going on. Not too much shock, right? Because you had the district attorney's office, corruption department, saying to you, hey, listen, don't go alone. So you had That's, to know that yeah, you had to... It wasn't going through my mind at the time. You wouldn't yeah. yet. You wouldn't think that you're going to be manhandled by him. No, no. So I sit in the third row. And I say, listen, I don't want any problems here. I just want to watch the, the Meet the Candidates night. My phone's off. Sitting there. He comes back. He comes back and sits next to me, leaving a space between me and him. He looks at me and he goes, Kevin, this is my school. I wish I had that on. I wish I had that on video. Now it's went from my school to it was the women's league. From the women's league to now it's my school, and it's really my rules. Right. And we're making the women's league. You're basically saying, and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know if this is this is a fact, but you're basically saying these rules were basically meant for you. Yeah. Or anybody who else wants to come in here and live stream or videotape because we don't want them to know about this other candidate. Right. So what takes place after so, that? So. So he says that to me, and uh, I don't know, within within a few minutes, I see police officers at the door, you know, the entrance door, and and they, they ask me, you know, can we have a word with you out in the hallway? They Me- bring me out to the mean, hallway. Meaning, uh, we want to arrest you, not in front of everybody, but go ahead. So I, I'm like, no problem. I, I walk out to the hallway, and um, he says, you know, I understand you're causing a problem here. I said, officer, sergeant, I think I called him sergeant because I realized he was sergeant. I said, I have it on video. All you have to do is look at what happened. I'm not looking at any video. You know, they tell me you're causing a problem here. And um, I convinced him, long story short, after four or five minutes, I convinced him to look at the video. And I said, I want Bill Farrow. I want him arrested for assaulting me and attacking me. Put his hands on me. He looks at the video, I'm looking at his face, and I think he was a sergeant, and his face was like, and I'm like, great, he's gonna arrest Bill Farrow. He, he was in shock, he couldn't believe what he was seeing. Said, I want Bill Farrow, as he, as he walked away to go talk to the white shirts, now white shirts are coming from the second precinct, you know, higher level, lieutenants, mm-hmm. whatever, you, you'd yep. think it was a murder scene, right? Now, now there's six, eight cops there. And he goes over and he's huddling with them, and I'm thinking, Bill Farrow's gonna get arrested. This is great, I just, he, he saw the video. So I walk, while they're, to- now, now, school district officials, the superintendent, Hank Grissom, and a few other of the board members, they're huddled up with the cop who looked at the video and with the other cops. And you know, I'm waiting. So I walk down the hall, there was a door there, and I said, I'm gonna go live stream and tell everybody what's happening right now. So I walked down the end of the hall by the door so there was a signal. And I did. A, I have a video where I basically say what just happened, the cops right now, I'm, um, I'm hoping right now Bill Farrow's gonna get arrested. As I end that video, a white shirt lieutenant walks up to me and says, again, I understand. After, after he heard what the sergeant, you know, the sergeant probably told him, you know, what happened. White shirt walks up to me again, like he never heard anything from the from the sergeant. And says, "I understand you're causing a problem here. Put your hands behind you." Well, no, I understand you're causing a problem here. I was able to say, "I just showed the video to your sergeant. Just look at the video 
and you could see for yourself, I didn't do anything. I'm not looking at any video, put your hands behind your back, you're under arrest. And I'm like, you're arresting the wrong person. I put my hands behind my back, no problem. I got cuffed and I got taken out. Well, they arrest you for disorderly conduct. I said and to them, what? I said, not, not, not only are you arresting the wrong person, and I said this off video, I said, but I'm an informant for your Talking district. to the mic. I said, not only are you arresting the wrong person, but I have a good relationship with the district attorney's office. You're making a big mistake. And I went to the second precinct and I spent the night in jail. That's probably, that's a mistake to say that, though. What's that? It's a mistake to say. I, I wouldn't do that. Say, hey, I, I, I'm, I have a relationship with the district attorney's office because that puts them now in a, a precarious position. Well, no, it actually helped. It did help. Yeah, I'll tell you why. Okay. So, um, and they and and the reaction was, yeah, right. You know, I'm sure everybody tells them that. You know, I know this person. I know that person. So I'm in the cell in the second precinct, and um, I have no idea what I'm being charged with. Um, no idea whatsoever. In the second precinct, the desk is right in front of the cell where the cops do their reports. Mm -hmm. So um, one cop was sitting at the desk doing what he what he's doing, and apparently they were waiting. They were waiting to get the reports, the the statements from the people in the in the school, right? And phones ringing back and forth. You know, they're talking. They're trying to figure out what to charge me with. And I'm asking them, but they, he, he doesn't answer me. I'm like, why am I here? What am I being, no, no answer. After a few hours, um, after a few hours, uh, somebody comes to the cell and says, uh, I, think they, I think they verified what I told them. <clears throat> and the person comes to the cell and says, uh, Kevin, is everything okay, are you okay? You know, they're being really nice to me now. And uh, he's like, we're gonna get you out of here. You know, we're gonna get you out of here soon. And I'm like, what am I being charged with? We don't, we don't know yet, right? So now I know, now I know after, you know, the court case and everything, that seven, the cops, they need, they need statements to- Make the arrest. To make the arrest. A supporting deposition. Okay, we, we obviously now have the seven statements that were signed. Now remember, there's 50 to 70 Jericho residents in the room. Every one of the statements is from a Jericho School District employee. That was none of these citizens. Not just, one citizen. So they're all in citizen. cahoots. They're all now corroborating the, the handwriting on all the reports. Is the, the detective, the, the, the detective, whoever wrote it up, wrote the reports for the Jericho School District employees. To they sign, sign it. it. Yep, right. and that's it. Right. So what did they arrest you for? Uh, I was arrested for on that. I was arrested for uh, disorderly conduct. Criminal criminal trespass. And disorderly conduct. Yeah, and then you said, you know, and I read about that that you got those dismissed. Yeah, that totally correct? dismissed. Yes. Martin Tankliff. Martin Tankliff. Shout out, great guy. <laughs> um, he got not an ACOD. He got the case dismissed. dismissed. Yeah. Thanks to Judge Trisha Farrell in Nassau County, who Judge Trisha Farrell was very upset that the police did not get any statements from that one resident in that room. And they still, to this day, wouldn't take your supporting deposition and have Farrow arrested, even though you have it on video the day, The day after I got arrested, the next day, I, I called up my lawyer, I called up, I called up my contact in the DA's public corruption unit, and they said, Kevin, we, public corruption, we want you to go 
to the DA's office and file a complaint that you want Bill Farrow arrested. I went to I went to Mineola, to the regular DA's office. I wrote up a complaint that I wanted Bill Farrow arrested. I wanted to show the 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 the, the lady there, ADA Wright. I wanted to show her the video to support why I wanted Bill Farrow arrested. Refused to look at the video. Amazing. Wouldn't look at the video. Says she told me I'm not legally allowed to look at the video. So I said, okay. So I wrote everything that happened down. I want Bill Farrow arrested. Went nowhere. Went nowhere. But at least you got it dismissed. Yeah. You got back. It took a while. It took, it took a while. It, only because of, you know, we're short of time here. Sure, sure. You have now been rearrested. You have cases now pending. Right. Well, before we go to that, yes. Before we go to that, after, after we got the case dismissed, I, I, have, filed a, uh, I have filed a lawsuit against the, the Jericho School District, against Bill Farrow personally, against some of the witnesses that signed perjured statements. And unfortunately, we also are suing the Nassau County Police Department and the arresting officers. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're being sued as well. Tankcliffe on that case too? No, no, that's just uh, you have a different Metcalf civil... and Metcalf, Stephen Metcalf, Metcalf okay. and Metcalf, Park Avenue, Manhattan. All right, and you um, took the case on that, that's still he's pending. Got the, he's also ha- handling this case civil, it's a, well, it's 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 in Nassau Supreme Court. Yeah, right. and then we've had we've had two or three judges already recuse themselves. We're running out of judges. Nobody wants to handle the case. Well, maybe not just also handle it once they know of the officials and right. maybe somebody right. donated money to right. their campaign. So right. you know, it's not just that they don't want to do it. It's that right. they're covering their ass. Right. So we're at the point right now where um, we're 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 hoping to start depositions soon in that case. And as you know, as, as a lawyer, you know that it's normal for people being sued to, to try to get the case dismissed. Jericho, um, through their, their, their insurance company lawyers, um, you know, they, they tried to get the case dismissed. What's interesting is the Nassau County Police Department and Nassau County didn't. Nassau County accepted the case. Um, we're, we're waiting right now on decisions on motions before, before going to deposition. Uh, let's leave it at that. Because, so we'll leave it at that. Yeah, let's leave it at that, yeah. only for legal purposes as well, to protect yourself. Talk to me about, then, the subsequent arrest. And, you know, because, like I said, we're running right. out of time. Okay, here, so, so I'm glad that we talked earlier about um, about the uh, environmental stuff, because my arrest last October had to do with that. So, um, so having been frustrated and not getting answers from Legislator Drucker and Senator Gorin or not getting help, you know, having everybody ignore it. That person who worked for Drucker in his office that got moved out, right? And, and by the way... Um, the female. The female. By the way, he, he moved her out and got her a job in the Board of Elections, right? Um, that's a whole nother story because he didn't want to... He couldn't fire her for doing a job, so they they relocated. They relocated her, right? So, so um, still, still being frustrated. Um, that person who who I became friendly with because she was upset that Drucker moved her out. We continued to be friends, and um, she gets me a meeting with uh, last October with a a woman. I can't mention her name right now. Um, who happened to be at that time. The Town of Oyster Bay's Democratic Supervisor candidate. She was running for Town of Oyster Bay Supervisor last year against the current supervisor. 
And when she was running, she was also the Plainview Water District, Plainview Water District Commissioner. She's all about the environment. She cares about water and everything else. So the person who worked for Drucker was friends with her and said, I want you to talk to this person and tell her all the stuff that we learned that Drucker wouldn't look at, blah, blah, blah. Gets me a meeting, gets me a meeting with this individual. We sit down in a restaurant in Plainview um, a week before, two weeks before I got arrested. I think it was the first time I really met her. And I lay out everything that I have. I show her the questions that Drucker's office refuses and Gorin's office doesn't want to get involved in. And she's friends with them. She is friends with Drucker and, and, and Gorin. I knew that. And I'm looking to her to help to, to move the ball, to, right? So she says to me, Kevin, why won't Drucker and Gorin, why won't they answer these questions? And like I said to you, the only, the only answer I can come up with is that they're, they're protecting the cover-up, right? She says, I want answers to these questions. I said, great. She says to me, give me a week to talk to Drucker and let me see what I could find out. I'm like, great. Finish the restaurant, we leave, week goes by, I don't hear from her. Um, now realize, she is the supervisor candidate on the Democratic Party, okay. which means that you know, she's dealing with top people, with the party leader, Jay Jacobs, and, and at that point, they know who I am, they know that I've been trying to get these answers, they all know who I am. So after a week goes by, maybe a week and a half, I don't hear from her, I call her, leave her have a cell phone. Right? We were talking before that. No answer. No callbacks. Email her. No answer. Can't get in touch with her. The person who said she was going to talk to Drucker and help me. I go to, just about every day, I go to the Plainview Shopping Center, the Starbucks. There's a Starbucks. At that time, the Democrats had their campaign office in that same retail storefront. I didn't know it then, but that morning... That morning, there was a reason for the police to be called to that Democratic campaign office because another resident was going there frustrated with Drucker also. I, I had no idea. I found this out afterwards. So the, there was police activity at that campaign office earlier that day <clears throat> because of another resident on a whole separate issue. I didn't know that. I come walking at the time. I come walking out of the Starbucks. I'm walking to my car. Actually, I walked from the Starbucks by the the campaign office to see what was going on there. And as I'm now walking to my car, the person who was gonna help me pulls in in her car and goes out of her way for me to see her driving into the parking lot. She pulls up and goes like this, waves to me, and I'm thinking, it's kind of weird. She's this gonna, is the girl, the candidate. The candidate who, yeah. who I had dinner yeah, with that yeah. was gonna help me that yeah, I can't yeah. get in touch with. I'm like, she's been avoiding me, not calling. Why is she making me see her in the car? Yeah. So I'm like, hey, how are you? I wait for her to park the car, turn on my video, thank God. And um, I wait for her to get out of the car. She gets out of the car with her camera going. And right at that minute, I'm like, this is weird for her to be recording me, right? And I'm like, I said her name. How you doing? I've been trying to get in touch. This is all on video. Yeah. I've been trying to get in touch with you. Um, you know, I want to continue. The, I want to get you. You were going to help me, right? I'm busy, you know, I, I'm in a rush now. I said, no, you know, and... They and, got a hold of her. Right. And, 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 and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm about 10 feet away. Now, realize, this is three quarters into COVID, right? We're in COVID, three quarters into COVID. I'm 10, 15 feet away from her. 
and I'm winding down my conversation with her, which you can see and hear on the video, and all of a sudden, I got somebody in my face, a male, came out of the campaign office thinking that he needed to save her from me. The person who wanted me to see her in the parking lot, right, who wanted to talk to me by waving to me, I got a guy in my face thinking that that, you're she, harassing that her. I'm harassing her and that she needs to be saved. Little did he know is that at that point in, in my video, I was saying to her, all right, listen, I'll, try, I'll call you on Monday and we'll try to set up a meeting. I was getting ready to walk away from her. Now I'm like, get out of my face. Who are you? He's in my face, right? No mask on. Um, he happens to be Jay Jacobs' driver, uh, the chairman of the Democratic Party's uh, driver and confidant. I knew who he was when he got in my face because he got in my face once before at a different event. And uh, finally, finally, he relents and they both walk away from me towards the, they're going to the office. They're leaving me alone, right? I'm following them and I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated because the guy's in my face, so I'm hurling, you know, I'm saying shit to them. Right? Yeah, okay. Like, you know. Profanity. No, not, not even, not profanity, but like, I was frustrated, you know, with her and, and, and him getting in All my I'm face. trying to do is get answers. Yeah, right. So they walk into the office. I go to my car. I'm getting into my car. Now my camera's off. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And I'm getting into my car, and out of my right eye, I see him coming back out of the campaign office towards me with his, with his camera going. And I'm like, what does this guy want again? I wish I had time to get my camera on. And uh, so I walk from my door, I walk towards him. What do you want? Leave me alone. He's videoing me. Gets in my face again. Leave me alone. What do you want, right? He was trying to get me to hit him. He was trying to provoke me to hit him. And it got to the point where I said to him, listen. Well, let me ask you this. I'd rather you not even say anything. I, 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 don't, want legal, yeah, I don't want to say Yeah, I don't want to say anything. Let, yeah, let's leave it at that. But you get arrested. What's the arrest I want for? you to know that. So, so, so after, after a little bit more happens, which we're not going to talk about, he stops his video, his video, he stops it goes into the campaign office, and I'm smart enough to know that they're gonna call the cop, they're calling the cops, right? And I was getting ready to leave, and I'm like, no, I'm not leaving, because then I'm gonna have- Them I, at your house. Yeah, you know, but I, I don't want them to think that I ran away, I didn't do yeah. anything wrong. So I wait there, I wait there. Sure as heck, the cops come. I got one guy outside, keeping me there, and he won't let me leave. Not that I was leaving. And you got a whole bunch of cops that go into the campaign office, and guess who shows up? Jay Jacobs, the chairman of the Nassau County Democratic Committee, walks into the campaign office where the cops are. I get the cop outside that I'm talking to, who, who I knew from before. I get him to look at the video. I showed him my video. This is what happened. They're inside, and I guess um, the guy who got my face he he showed he the, those cops only saw his video. They didn't see what happened before that, right? And uh, Jacobs arrives. He's in there with the cops, chairman. I mean, he, he's got a lot of power. I don't mean to get you know rush you here, but I, you know only for time purposes. Right, so so. Long story short, they come out of the office, and they basically say you're under arrest. And what were the charges for? That was for. Um, those charges were, listen to this, attempted assault, attempted assault, 
and menacing. It's such a bogus charge, attempted assault. I thought that you were either pregnant or you weren't pregnant. Yeah, it's such a BS charge, to be honest with you, an attempted assault. Attempted assault. Charge, yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And that's still pending. Yeah, we were supposed to go to trial a few months ago. We're ready. We were going to trial in Nassau County after a few judges recused themselves on that one, too. You have Tankliff on that one? No, I got Metcalf. Okay, you have Metcalf from the city. Yeah. Because they're doing you civil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so a few days before we were going to trial, and by the way, they didn't even offer me a plea deal. Not even a plea deal, okay? A few days before we're going to trial, my attorney says to me, Kevin, we're not going to get a fair trial in Nassau County because your accuser, my main complainant on the statement is Jay, Jay Jacobs. The, yeah. the, the, okay, he... He's your accuser, and he appointed, cross-endorsed the judge that is going to oversee your trial. As, as strong as your case in, as strong as your case is, we're not going to get a fair trial. we got to get this out of Nassau County. He makes a, an emergency order to show cause to Brooklyn to change a venue. Like, if you read it, I'm like, we can't lose this. There's no way, right? Emergency order to show cause about... I don't know, six, eight months ago, last week we got a decision, denied. Jay Jacobs has got influence in the appellate court as well, right? Um, so, um, so we're going to trial in Nassau County. And the next date is April 17th, which we're, we're probably gonna go there on the 17th. And I guess at that date, they'll probably set the date for trial. Now, um, well, listen. Let's, let's let's wrap it up right with that yeah. because I don't want, really want you right. saying too much more about right. this case. Right. Um, only because I'm an attorney as well, and I right. know it. I'd rather just leave it at that. But you know, your story is an amazing story. If people wanted to get in touch with you, I know that you have Nassau County, New York News. That's Facebook. Right. Is are you on Twitter? Do are you on any other social media, Instagram, or anything else? If people yeah, I'm on, want I'm on Nassau County, Nassau County NY News is on Twitter. In fact, whenever I post on my blog, NassauCountyNYNews.com. Whenever I post on that, it uploads automatically to Twitter. What and about, I'm on Instagram also. What about email? If people had a tip or people wanted to contact you because they, you know, exactly for everything that we were talking right. about, how would they be able Nassau, to do it? Nassau County NY News at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Yeah. And I want you to know that um, the amount of tips that I'm getting right now is off the charts. And many people are telling me now, we're coming to you, Kevin because Newsday and News 12 are not following up on our tips anymore. And and we see this, that you are. In this day of age, with, you, know, you have Substack, you have you know, all these independent journalists, what you're doing is fighting for the people. Right. And listen, Kev, anytime that you want to come back on the show, I really, uh, you're more than welcome. I appreciate having you on. You're a, a, a remarkable man. And thank you for fighting for everyone. Thank you very much. I'd love to interview you one day on my on my page. <laughs> I would love to have you. I would love to See come on. See how you do what you do. I would love to come on, brother. Thank you so um, much. No, thank you so much. And it was a pleasure. Thank you. You got thank it. Thank you so much. And with that being said, another episode, Joe Cozo's show. Let's wrap it up. Peace.